1: Hello and welcome to the Witch Shorts podcast, I'm Rob Lilly. Well thank you for joining us for another episode and don't forget that if you like what you're hearing then please do leave us a rating and a review wherever you're listening. And don't forget as well, there is still time to get in your questions ahead of our upcoming Christmas special. If you have anything you want answering on any of the topics that we've covered in any of our previous episodes then please email us at podcasts at witch.co.uk. Now this week, we're taking a look at the state of our wildlife, scanning through the numbers to reveal which species are on the up and the others that are in worrying decline. To read us this article, I'll hand you over to Angus Farker.
0: Summer 2022 was the hottest and driest on record in many places, amid an apparent warming trend, more extreme weather conditions and shifting seasons. Our wildlife is very much at the mercy of seasonal weather when it comes to breeding and survival, and while some creatures have been able to adapt to the changes, others are finding it harder. Volunteer surveys run by wildlife organisations, many carried out in back gardens, are a vital part of long-term research into how Britain's wildlife populations are faring. With this in mind, we've been looking at some recent survey results and other news from wildlife organisations to see how things are going for our garden visitors and what's being done to help them. In January 2022's RSPB Big Garden Birdwatch, sparrows, blue tits, starlings, wood pigeons and blackbirds made up the top 5 most seen birds. Blue tits and wood pigeons are now seen in higher numbers in gardens than when the survey first started in 1979, but sparrow numbers continue to fall. The British Trust for Ornithology's Garden Bird Watch, carried out by volunteers reporting year round, placed blackbirds and blue tits in the top two spots, with woodpigeons third, again showing a huge increase in garden sightings from 55% of gardens in 1995 to 87% in 2022, largely due to the increased use of bird feeders. These can bring their own dangers, though as was revealed by a large-scale study of citizen science data looking at the pattern of reductions in chaffinch numbers. These dropped 29% between 2008 and 2018, while greenfinches declined by 67% over the same period. It's now thought that both were hit by trichomonosis, a disease that's often spread through contact with contaminated bird feeders. Volunteer records have also been used to shed light on the plight of willow warblers, whose numbers have fallen significantly in England, but risen in Scotland. An overall 1 degree C increase in temperature in the south might mean their insect food no longer coincides with their breeding season, so conservationists will focus their work on providing habitat for willow warblers in cooler parts of the country. The BTO has also reported that milder winters in the south and the southwest of Britain are encouraging swallows to overwinter there rather than migrate to warmer climes, as they have always done in the past. Last year was a great one for hummingbird hawk moths. Sightings were reported by the BTO Garden Birdwatch Survey in 5.2% of gardens countrywide, up from 1.3% in a typical year. Many probably blew in on warm southerly winds, but milder winters mean they are now seen to be overwintering and breeding in the south of the country. Butterfly Conservation's annual Big Butterfly Count took place over three weeks in late July, early August in 2022. Gatekeeper butterflies recovered from low numbers in 2021 to take top spot in 2022, and comma butterfly sightings increased by 94.7%. The common blue and holly blue were also low in numbers in 2021, but increased by 154% and 120% respectively in 2022. A change in climate has also led to holly blues becoming well established across Scotland, where they were rarely sighted before the early 2000s. Despite good weather, the average count of just under nine butterflies per garden is another worrying all-time low. Butterfly Conservation's recently revised Red List of Butterflies in Great Britain echoes these findings. Some species of common garden butterfly have been taken off the list, but around half the UK species are currently categorised as threatened or near-threatened with extinction. The State of Britain's Larger Moths report reveals a similar story for large moths whose numbers have dropped by 39% in the warmer southern half of Britain and 22% in the cooler northern half over 50 years. However, some species from continental Europe have now been able to colonise the warmer parts of Britain. The Freshwater Habitats Trust hasn't yet analysed the results of its annual spawn survey, but it has some encouraging points to make about this year's drought. It told us that occasional drying of ponds is fine. In fact, the great crested newt prefers to breed in ponds that dry out occasionally as it reduces the number of fish which eat their larvae. Juvenile newts, or efts, develop faster in warm water too. The Trust also point out that many freshwater plants and animals have life cycles that are well adapted to periods of drying out and amphibians, apart from frogs, spend most of their time on land so shouldn't be significantly affected by a one-off drought. Toads travel considerable distances over land to return to their spawning sites. Unfortunately, frog life estimates that this leads to around 20 tonnes of toads being killed on roads every year. It runs an annual toad patrol where volunteers go to known toad road crossings and carry toads across the road in buckets to ensure that they make it to the other side. In 2021, 177 crossing sites were manned and on these, 87,761 toads were helped across. Sadly, more than 6,000 were still killed by traffic. The UK Pollinator Monitoring Scheme has recently added apples, raspberries and strawberries to the list of flowers included in its volunteers' 10-minute flower insect-timed counts. It found that honeybees are most commonly seen on raspberry blossom, but hoverflies were most common on strawberries. Apples were visited by the largest variety of different pollinators, including solitary bees. In 2019 and 2021, Bug Life repeated the Bugs Matter survey. This saw participating drivers count the number of flying insects squashed in a specific area – a sample grid, dubbed a splatometer, was used – on the front number plate of their vehicle after a journey. The survey was first carried out in 2004, and when results were compared, insect numbers were found to be 58.5% lower in 2021 than in 2004. The biggest decrease was seen in England, 65%, while in Wales and Scotland it was 55% and 27.9% respectively. Buglife says it is interpreting the data with caution and more research is needed, but its results are consistent with the declining trends in insect numbers widely reported by others. Drought this year is thought to have made it difficult for hedgehogs to find food, such as worms and slugs, and it remains to be seen what long-term effect that might have. But in 2020, hedgehogs were added to the International Union for Conservation of Nature Red List of Threatened Species as vulnerable to extinction. The recently published State of Britain's Hedgehogs Report, 2022, concludes that in built-up areas, the population has been stable for around five years and might even be recovering. But numbers continue to fall in the countryside. The People's Trust for Endangered Species and the British Hedgehog Preservation Society, which jointly run the Hedgehog Street campaign, have funded research into what attracts hedgehogs to gardens. Abby Gazard, a researcher at Reading University, attached trackers to 28 hedgehogs and found that back gardens are visited twice as often as front ones, and that hedgehogs spend more time in gardens with compost heaps or where supplementary food is put out. They're less likely to visit gardens used by foxes or where there's little surrounding growth to give cover. If you've bought or made a hedgehog home, they've also carried out a hedgehog housing census, which reveals that it's more likely to be used if it's placed under the shelter of bushes or shrubs, if front and back gardens are connected, and if food and bedding, straw or leaves, is provided. It's also best not to have the entrance facing open ground, and it's less likely to be used if there's a pond in the garden.
1: Thank you to Angus for reading us that piece which was originally published in the December issue of Witch Gardening magazine. Now remember you can find more articles you'll find useful every day on everything from money and technology to home and garden advice by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters and you can do that at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. We'll be back next week for another episode of Witch Shorts. Thanks for listening. Witch Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly, while the exec producer was Angus Farker.